Welcome to the All Inclusive Podcast, a podcast that delves into the world of inclusion from accessibility all the way through to diversity. In celebration of Global Accessibility Awareness Day, this episode of the All Inclusive Podcast is discussing accessibility needs and how we can provide an inclusive recruitment process. Right. First of all, thanks so much for joining us, Daniel. Um, and I just wonder if you could tell us a bit about yourself and get optimal in what you guys do over there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, first of all, thank you so much for having us, Ross. We're, we're, we're huge fans uh, of what you do up there in the in the northeast at recitemecom uh, That's good. Uh, you yeah. make you make something incredibly complicated, incredibly simple. But we know how incredibly important it is to drive accessibility across the workplace so thanks for yeah thanks for having us today uh, my name is Daniel Fellows I'm the founder and CEO of Get Optimal we're a UK-based global technology company uh, and diversity and inclusion provider and we optimize job ads for search engines looking after those highly neglected areas of content engagement accessibility social mobility SEO and gender bias um, to really drive inclusivity and diversity of opportunity uh, across all areas uh, of recruitment, whether that's talent attraction, whether it's in HR, whether it's through the onboarding, um, through the whole 360 degree um, uh, application and sort of hiring process. That's brilliant. And uh, it always comes back to kind of my mantra on accessibility and disability. And it's like, where, when we have reached the goal, which I think is many years away of full inclusivity, what will it look like? And I've always said, it's when everybody's treated as, a, as an individual and we don't have to form part of groups to say like, you know, I'm dyslexic. I have to declare it to be in this group to get the support I need. And in what, what you guys uh, do is phenomenal because it allows a person in the process to be treated like an individual. You know, yeah. not, not as part of a group, it's not as part of this rigid education system. Yeah, you know, I, I see here as a... A white, I identify as a working class, but you know, relatively privileged person. So, I have no no real first hand personal experience of the, the inability to even find the job online, to even find that page, not been able to apply for the role because I've hovered over the application and there's no you know there's no voice there, there's no one telling me what to do. I've got no experience of not being able to physically get to the interview because I'm in a wheelchair or maybe I've got to the interview and actually the business, the doors uh, are not wide enough for me to get in to the office building as well. Um, so yeah, again, we, you know, we're trying to take in as many different experiences and also using artificial intelligence for good to ensure that we are, uh, as you, as you rightly say, our missions will be complete. And I think we'd both run successful companies, but it's also a vocation for, for both of it. It's something we're hugely passionate about when we don't have these, you know, the, these groups that are sort of, you know, sliced and diced uh, into different communities. Yeah, now I've kind of always always said that a person, you've got such a wide scale in dyslexia that a person who is dis- declared as dyslexic could be much closer in terms of their abilities to somebody who's declared as non-dyslexic, to somebody mm. who's declared very dyslexic and got looked like issues that they haven't managed to compensate around. So it is great that you guys allow them to kind of be trapped. You've mentioned artificial intelligence, and that is the buzzword these days. Um, it used to be cloud back in the day about 10 years ago. Um, but I think artificial intelligence has, um, and we might be giving a business plan away here <laughs> for Resight, but I think artificial intelligence has such a, a, a fantastic opportunity in the future of how it may be able to help. Can you just describe what artificial intelligence uh means to you guys and how you're implementing it within your company to help people 
Yeah, of course. I think if you're doing sort of bullshit bingo, you could chop in uh, programmatic as well. Uh, that's a word that has just <laughs> yeah. been bouncing around. I don't come really from a recruitment background. I used to work in marketing technology at uh, Vodafone and Microsoft, and we, we sort of solved big problems using tech. But now people talk to me about programmatic, and it's like, well, yeah, it's been around for, for quite a while, but it is good that it's coming to recruit so people can, can absolutely um, get the best bang for their buck in terms of their recruitment advertising. Uh, what does AI, AI for us, for Optimal, just means huge, huge amounts of opportunity. Um, we partner with a company called TDAB, the Data Analysis Bureau. Uh, they're an artificial intelligence and machine learning innovation agency. They specialize in um, machine learning solutions. Artificial intelligence has been around since, I think, about the 40s. Um, so again, it's not necessarily anything new, uh, how it's advanced in the past five years is the, uh, the amount of, 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 of computers, the, the scalability in terms of what it can power and what it can process in terms of uh, information, in terms of data. You then look below uh, artificial intelligence, you then have machine learning. And again, this is training certain machines uh, based, on, based on rules, uh, based on uh, the, the elements ultimately that you want to extract from your business. Uh, and again, we're we're working at Optimal with advanced uh, natural language processing, uh, NLP, to fully automate the entire job ad uh, creation and optimization process and obviously build an infrastructure around APIs to enable Good Optimal to integrate ultimately into every single company in the world. Um, so we, we ultimately ingest the job ad in real time um, at artificial intelligence, we'll then optimize it based on the rules, based on the Optimal algorithm that goes through to an auto QA that will approve or send back, and then that job ad is returned to the to the user within you know your CRM, your your ATS in relative real time. I think the key thing with AI and um, Eric uh, Topham, who's our chief scientist at Optimal and the founder of TDAB, um, we were having a chat last year about the. Do you remember the exam bashing about the yeah. algorithm? Yeah. And you know, obviously, I, I try and get a wide breadth of, of media most days, whether it's a the Guardian or the Times or a hop onto the Daily Mail. I shouldn't say that in public, but you know, you, you've got to always challenge, from my perspective, your your own opinions, uh, your own assumptions. Yeah. And it was, and Boris was, you know, doing his normal. Oh, it's nothing to do with me. Nothing to see here. Sort of yeah. uh, how he just bumbles on. Uh, but who do you think programmed the AI? You know, who do you think approved that strategy? Uh, so again, you, you can't. You, it, it's, you can't blame the technology. You've ultimately got to examine who was programming the AI. What was their objective? What you know was what? their solution? I'm going to make a prediction here. And artificial intelligence is going to become the new management consultants. So in the, mm. in, in the past, if anybody wanted to do something that was a little risky, they would bring in a management consultant. That mm. If everything went wrong, they could blame that person. right? And that person would take the flack and we don't use that company no more because they were management consultants. It's going to be artificial intelligence in the future. People, yeah, absolutely. Even though you've got AI, you can't blame AI because you're the person that has programmed it and you're the one that's setting the rule based system. So you've got to take responsibility for the own algorithm that you're, that, that you're kind of producing. So does your, does your system, does it, does it self learn over time? Does it, does it improve itself? Yeah. Towards uh, we had an amazing accessibility sort of for somebody like me. Yeah, we, we work with um, lots of different, the key thing, I suppose, is data. You know, how are you getting, where are you getting your data from? Whether you're working with uh, aggregators like Adzuna, there's big firms in the US, you can buy and license their anonymized data as well. But also, 
it's important to work with people like the cedar.com uh, who very much it's a diversity and inclusion job board but again they're able to harvest uh, a lot of meaningful data from people signing up and again this is clearly anonymized from a, a data and privacy perspective but that again enables us to plug in a different source of data which enables us to constantly refine and to learn what we're doing and also you know we need to get to probably a 96 97 uh, accuracy rate in terms of the optimization piece but that will only really happen uh, you know we're bringing in new new elements around race uh, around gender around ageism and around profession you know there are, there are so many different areas that, that we're bringing in in terms of what we're doing to create a much rounded product uh, but also we're very cognizant of, of the incredible team and the diverse team that we have at TDAB that is that is creating uh, these algorithms that is training this AI as well so you constantly have to re-examine what you're doing and why you're doing it uh, and also think about conscious inclusion as well as opposed to what people normally say unconscious bias which I don't actually think exists I just think it's a it's a general sort of uh, conscious inclusion or a conscious exclusion. Yeah, I agree. Actually, and I, I'm always kind of I'm always wary of kind of pinning pinning outcomes on something that is not tangible, like unconscious bias. Um, and I, I do say it potentially might exist, uh, but I think in society it's it's blamed and it's used way more than what um, way way more than what I think it's applicable or is actually. How is the best way to say this? It is it is used as a as a reason for something for more than what it actually is in real life that's what i think interestingly on unconscious bias and positive discrimination and me personally i'm against positive discrimination um not always but the vast majority of the time i represent sort of dyslexics i don't feel like we need a certain amount of dyslexics in an organization even though as a group we're very very much overlooked yeah. uh, particularly our skill set of what we can provide it would be interesting to see if 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 artificial intelligence is is doing that positive discrimination, so it's not a human and it's not it's not humanized, but like whether you know a, a bias towards uh, positive discrimination would be more accepted by society. That is a complete left field question, I know, but I will throw some of them in now and then. <laughs> I was just thinking of two um, two incredible CEOs. I've had the the, the pleasure. Uh, not always had the pleasure because they're, they're they're very hardworking people. They were both uh, both dyslexic, yep. um, and they always um, Jamie particularly always told me that it was his own little superpower because he would uh, he would be aware uh, of obviously his dyslexia. It was picked up when he was nine, uh, which really? hopefully nowadays it would be picked up when his obviously uh, kids were a lot younger. I, I was um, twenty. So. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's um, yeah. That's incredible. But he always said that he was able to overcompensate for his dyslexia. So um, uh, very charming, hugely confident, uh, incredible, incredible sales guy uh, and an incredible product. But he also had this ability to retain vast amounts of information, which normally people would scribe generally, or there'd be a way for you to uh, you to iterate on it as well. Um, but yeah, that, that just randomly came into my head. But yeah, he... He sold his last business for 420 million. So um, he should be an example to anybody with any any ism that they believe it's going to hold them back. It's 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 going to hopefully propel propel you forward as well. Couldn't agree more. I mean, starting Recite was kind of a journey where I as much created the software, but find out found out about myself. And one thing I've realized is that there's some things that we were just talking to a finance manager who helped his wife do something. And I said, 
the thing that you help your wife do, you 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 could do half the time that she could, but it would take me five or six times as long as what your wife would because it doesn't fit in mm. dyslexia. However, I can take a very, very, very complex problem with so many moving parts, you couldn't really yeah. visualize it even on a mind map or anything like that. And I can go for a walk and I can disseminate all of that and come up with the right solution very quickly in my head. Um, so it's all about kind of like the skills based. You know, I have a skill. It's kind of not measured at the minute, but how can we get to a point where these skills are measured to the point where, interestingly, Elon Musk has just come out and said that he's Asperger's. Mm. So I always talk about this. I always try and set the vision. I think we we would pass an amazing point if it become very common that, you know, there was a project and the managers said we need to recruit. But because of the complexity of this project, we probably need a dyslexic to be able to kind of, you know, retain this vast amount of information and do the number crunching in the head and get a feeling of, of how it's going to move forward. Uh, and then you have people that kind of fall into the kind of non-category that we haven't even labeled yet, which falls between dyslexia and Asperger's. And then we we'll potentially need somebody who's got Asperger's that has the ability to focus uh, in a narrow field you know, we're past the ability of somebody who hasn't got Asperger's. And when we get to that point, I think that's when we've kind of achieved a success as a society, when we start to see these groups and recognise the advantages and not just talking about the disadvantages. Yeah, completely. But also it's 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 up to employers and businesses to create uh, the environment and create the culture to enable people, uh, whether it's around accessibility, whether it's around someone with Asperger's, whether it's LBTQI as well, yeah. to thrive and succeed. I, I worked with an old CTO who um, was um, undefined on the spectrum, but the, the, the level of complexity that he could work through in a day was, was utterly staggering in the way that he could build layers and layers and layers of that product, probably 25, 30 iterations down the line, which most people couldn't conceive, but he was, he was allowed to work a four day week uh, to enable him to go fishing or to, to go, to go cycling. And he was paid a huge amounts of money, but that enabled him ultimately to, to top himself up, to enable him to, to have that, you know, he was an exceptional human being and clearly he'd be labeled with a disability. But again, it's, that guy, that guy had a superpower because no one ever could. He was like a human computer. No one ever could compute what he was processing every single day. So I think, again, to your point, we, uh, you know, COVID hit everybody, all of us very, very hard. But it does create a huge opportunity, whether it's around agnostic working. So it's not always location based anymore. You don't have to be sitting in centre of Gateshead or, or London or Manchester or New York to get the, the best jobs as well. So hopefully it can drive much greater opportunity, particularly for the 26% of uh, registered disabled folks in the UK. And I think it's 65 million in the US as well. But we need particular specific skill sets that aren't always defined, that aren't traditional at all, that can't sit in an office for eight hours a day in a very noisy environment with air conditioning, with, with everything else that's going on. How do we create those conditions and truly understand the output-driven benefits of, of hiring people with, with ultimately these superpowers. Yeah, and it's it's hundred percent. And you've hit. The, I'll give you two examples of of myself. Um, when I was younger, I thought my hearing wasn't that good because I couldn't understand people in nightclubs. I didn't realise that dyslexia meant that because you can process so much, your the background noise in a nightclub, you're trying to listen in 
whereas other people would just oh, okay. shut out and it would be white noise to them. But I realized in an open plan office, and we've got uh, probably got about 10 or 11 in now, but normally we'll have 30, is that I can't sit in an office with background noise. You know, and you, you, it's in most, in most environments, it's not legitimate to say it. Look, I can't really work in an open office environment. However, you will get massive amounts of other things out of me. It's just the advantage of being able to process this mass amount of information means my brain won't tune out of conversations in the office like, like other people will. So it is very, very, very interesting how, you know, there is a skill set, but we've got to try and, as society moves forward and changes, hopefully this will start saying, right, well, okay, this person doesn't actually adapt well to an office environment, so why don't we let them work at home two days a week to get the most out of them? In the same way as that, the person that you were talking about, they give him an extra day off because his brain was probably so tired of doing massive amounts of number crunching. Yeah, and it, it comes back every time to, and again, when I worked at Indeed.com as marketing director, you go into any meeting in any any business and you, what do you want more of? Quality candidates. Okay, yeah. well, how are, you, how are you talking to female candidates? Oh, oh you're not. You're, you've got 65 bullet points in your job ad, which means you're automatically, they're deselecting themselves from the process. How are you addressing diversity inclusion? Oh, you're not. Uh, how are you addressing accessibility? Uh, oh, you're not talking to the, that community either. Yeah. So again, it all comes back to the skill shortage we have across so many verticals. People assume because of COVID, we've got three and a half um, uh, million people now looking for work. We've always had skill shortages across so many different types of roles that until you start actually looking at different elements of society that can contribute yeah. uh, away from traditional um, sort of hiring and recruitment strategies and working with recruitment consultants that just smile and dial and just you know have no real no real desire to move anything forward apart from their own sort of levels of commission uh, and and you as a business as a company i think have to look at every part of the, the staffing provider you're you're looking to work for you know people like guiding global who go above and beyond in terms of diversity inclusion but what are they doing in terms of their supply chain what are they doing in terms of their own learning is their own site accessible we we obviously worked with you guys four weeks ago and we applied the toolbar to get optimal in about three and a half minutes so anyone that tells me it's difficult oh it's too complicated my analytics team don't have time that's utter bullshit it is incredibly simple thing to do to make your digital platforms accessible yeah we get that with people you know th thanks for mentioning us well i mean the installation of our toolbar can be done in minutes in the right environment and um we do get pushback from people who well you know I would web developer said it would take like two days and it would cost us like a thousand pounds or two thousand pounds, sometimes three and a half thousand. And we're like, look, put us on the phone to the web developer. And yeah, you quickly see the web Literally. developer back now. Like, <laughs> actually, we yeah. run a web development company as well, and we know how quick this is. Mm. So yeah, you know, it, the path is a lot easier than what you think. Um, and I just like to kind of take this slightly left field of my my own experience of recruitment, and I'm going to single out Marks and Spencers here, who are a fantastic organisation. And this is going back 15, 20 years, so it's probably not applicable now. So I used to work for them, and they wanted me to go into management. Um, and uh, the tests you did just to get into Marks and Spencers, which was the old-fashioned tests of kind of interview-based and, you know, like uh, task-based. You used to go and have to do something within the store. And at the end of it, I got the job, and they said, um, if we could score you higher than the maximum, we would have given you higher. And I was like, all right, well, that's great for my ego. You know, I've got the job. Um, yeah. 
become president of the student union at Northumbria, uh, where I found out I was dyslexic. And they specifically headhunted me and wanted me to go into management. So much so they were willing to fly me from London to Edinburgh uh, on the, the time of the employment to do it. But they shifted to assessment centres, uh, which traditionally does not mix very well for people with dyslexia. And when I say that, it's almost like it was almost like an exam based sort of yeah. scenario. And I would probably guess that out of the 30 people that was up there, I would be right at the bottom. You know, and I went from somebody who, and this is like a recruitment, a reflection on the recruitment process. I went from somebody who said, if we could give you higher marks than what is possible, you would have got them to, you know, I don't think, I think I, there's a good chance I would have come bottom out of 30 in these assessment environments. But if Marks and Spencer's <laughs> had changed and thought about the impact on people with disabilities, you know, visual impairments, dyslexia, Asperger's, and could they flourish in this environment? Over the last 15 years, if they haven't changed it, they could have attracted a lot more talent based on groups that they're probably excluding, including my group. Yeah, I mean, that's it. That's the education piece, isn't it? That's the that's the fear of, uh, of getting it wrong. That's, uh, that's inertia. That's, well, shit, I might do something wrong, so I'll do nothing at all. Uh, and I think, you know, there has to be legislation uh, let your approach like there is in the US, particularly around diversity and inclusion, that compel businesses to do it because there's only so many, so many years, so many people that can be corralled. Um, but I think it's, you know, it's, it's companies like um, Recite Me, it's companies like Optimal, uh, you know, we're trying collectively to, to make the, the, the recruitment, the hiring process much more democratic as well. Um, now, I love the stuff you do. And I love that you said that, that people are worried about doing wrong because. It's, we're in such a charged environment now in society. And I think it'll pass. I think everything works in circles. Is that as soon as you get into like minority sort of disability groups, like, like, like people get very worried about doing the wrong thing and how it will reflect on them. And I always say, you know, like, as long as you're trying, that's the important thing. As long as you're making the positive steps, don't worry about doing the wrong thing. We all do the wrong thing in environments. It's a learning process. That's how you learn. Best way to learn is to make a mistake normally. Um, and companies have got to kind of accept that, you know, it's okay to make a mistake. Go ahead and push forward. If they work with companies like yourself, the better because somebody like you would guide somebody through the process. But as long as, and we do see that a lot, that companies get stuck in this inertia by, we know we need to do something, but it's going to take this much amount of resources because it needs to be planned properly. Because if we implement this process wrong, we'll come up because in will come into kind of criticism because it's these groups that seem to be highly charged. I don't yeah. know how, what, where your views sit on that. Yeah, and I was thinking of two things. Uh, Simon Sinek talks about the uh, the infinite mindset. I like him. Yeah. And again, it's, you know, ultimately that's the DNA. Uh, again, I don't, I imagine yours as well. We're, we're building products and services for the benefit of others. Yeah. Um, and, and particularly uh, driving around the, the diversity, equity and inclusion piece. But then I just thought about um, uh, Matthew Said, who um, you know writes in the Times, is a great thinker. I've, I've seen him a few times. He talks in his book, uh, Black Box Thinking. And he makes very, this is a very crude um, sort of review of his book. It's an incredible book to make you think and, and reassess. But he talks about the airline industry and the medical industry. And he yeah. talks about how incredibly safe the airline industry is because every time something happens in terms of a negative, a mistake, 
a wheel getting stuck, uh, you know, depressurized cabins. They thoroughly examine it in the public domain. Every single element of that is examined, re-examined. There is no blame attached. It's about learning. It's, you know, that's very much so a sort of technology approach as well. You go, oh, shit, I got this wrong. No, you didn't get it wrong. We've learned how to get better. So it's very much the infinite mindset. Yeah. He then he then makes that uh, sort of uh, analogy within healthcare and how everything is closed. It's secret. You never hear about anything that's gone wrong because it's normally settled in lawsuits with private health trusts as well. He talks about hospitals. You know, you're moving into the theatre. So again, there's a lot of, you know, huge amount of, of sort of smoke and mirrors and he just makes that analogy around one has an infinite mindset of testing learning iterating not so much afraid to get it wrong because you don't want your plane crashing as opposed to the, the medical and the healthcare interest which is you know clouded in secrecy but ultimately has incredibly high rates uh, of death and mortality um, collectively and globally around the healthcare industry so again it's that it's that mindset that approach that i don't think you'll ever get told off for you know trying and maybe making a few mistakes, but there are enough organizations, whether it's from Presido, whether it's Sight, whether it's Optimal, whether it's, um, you know, there's a great uh, company that Judy Sowash runs in the US, uh, Disability Talent Solutions. There are brilliant people that know way more than us that can that can hold your hand and take you through um, some of the initial elements. Joanna Lockwood, we were lucky enough to interview last week for our series, Inside Your Brand Would Get Optimal. And I felt, you know, uncomfortable for an hour chatting with Joanne, who's uh, obviously gone through a transition in the last couple of years, but I learned so much more, which I can clearly pass on, uh, not just around my own social uh, network, but also, you know, inform the products and the services that we're providing to, to make sure that we're being as inclusive as we can. Absolutely. You know, and it's, it, it is all about that, you know, how, if somebody said to me, how did you build your business? And I said, I didn't, I come up with this idea, but it was 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And it's all about baby steps. And, you know, if we're going to get to this place, it's it's baby steps. You know, we make a slight adjustment here. We'll walk forward. We might make a mistake as a collectively, as a society, as a group. Then we'll step back and then we'll maybe step forward. So, yeah, it's all about learning and the, the process and moving forward. So thank you very much for your time. It's been very, very informative. I feel like we should do another podcast at some time in the future as well. Because uh, I think there's so much more to talk about. But uh, I just want to thank you for your time. And uh, I hope you have a great day. Thank you very much. And I I would recommend the next podcast is done in any one of those three beer gardens you mentioned around Beamish. Um, <laughs> excuse, okay. to come up, excuse to come up north, excuse to meet you and the team. You're a huge inspirational and an excuse to have a drink, right? Who needs an excuse? Hey, I tell you what, we'll get it in the diary, come up, we'll have a beer and then we'll we'll do another podcast. Good, fantastic. Thanks for the time, Russ. Take care. Take care. See Take you, bye-bye.